Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from the Executive Pill, and today, <laughs> you guessed it, today is a good day. See, today, I have another phenomenal guest with me, and you're going to be so excited when we get into this. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. See, this guest is, an, 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 this is a phenomenal individual, period, but she's also an internationally recognized career and leadership coach, writer, speaker, and educator dedicated to helping professional women build rewarding, impactful career of significance. I mean, doesn't that, isn't that just awesome? It, 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 but, but again, I can't just stop there. It does. It never just stops there. She is all, she also just published her most recent book, The Most Powerful You, Seven Bravery Boosting Paths to Career Bliss. And she also is the host of her own podcast, super awesome podcast, which I, I'm actually going to be joining her on, Finding Brave. How are you doing, Miss? <laughs> How are you doing, Miss Kathy Caprino? Oh, Alex, I'm so thrilled to be here, and I could just hug you up, uh, as Alex and I know. I had a large tech problem, which made my blood pressure go through the roof. Yikes! But there you are, so kind and so patient, and I'm just—it just further exemplifies, you know, what a special person you are. I'm really grateful to be on your show, Alex. Thank you for having me. Well, you are so very welcome. And I, I will humble brag for you. Um, right before this conversation, you were doing a, a, a quick conversation with, with CNN or something. CNN, CNN, <laughs> a CNN writer on a really interesting topic mm -hmm. that I had to study about before we talked. It's the hashtag quiet quitting, Ooh. which has gone completely viral on TikTok. Let's get quiet about this. What what is this? <laughs> I you know I had to do some research, but here's how. And I think it's really a great topic for you and I. I I think you'll love it. My understanding of it, and it started with a a particular guy who posted about. It's not about quitting your job, but it's about pulling back and stopping doing all these things that are not in your job description that you're not getting compensated for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, millions of people have weighed in about it. And, and so I was asked, what do I think about quiet quitting and mm -hmm. what is the problem? And, and I think there's a lot of issues to it, but one is it during the pandemic. Like any crisis, we rethink life. And many yeah. of us have breakdown moments mm -hmm. that if we handle them and navigate them, they turn into breakthrough moments. But in this case, so many people are burnt out, depressed, anxious, overwhelmed. They're having so much trouble navigating um, kind of the world of remote work, which has so many pluses, but it has downsides. Mm -hmm. One of them is... We've lost many people, if they're not well-boundaried, and even if they are, they've lost the ability to say, I'm done with work, now I'm going to focus on this. Because, you know, I'm calling from, here's my bedroom. Um, it's it's become even more blurred. So it was a discussion about why did we get here? Why is this, why are we talking about quiet quitting and maybe what we can do differently and instead, which which is what I addressed. Well, I, I'm I am very interested to hear what how you addressed it. Um, I'm going to tell you my my gut reaction. I want to hear from you, but also I really do want to hear from all the audience. Please do comment and tell me if I'm crazy and tell me if you think I'm right. 
I'm going to say this real quick because you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. I think in order to get ahead, you got to do stuff for free. Um, I 100% believe that if you want to be successful and, and stand out above the crowd, you got to do stuff for free. But what does that mean? Yes, that may be doing those little extra things in the job. You know, they said be extraordinary that you do. You be extraordinary by doing a little extra. Um, and now you're extraordinary. And everyone, everyone else is just doing their thing. Maybe you provide a little more value. Like maybe you're not being compensated for it, but it allows you to stand out in front of everyone. And maybe you have more opportunities. But I would say, even in your personal life, if you don't want to do it in the workplace, but you still want to be successful in your career, then go out and start interviewing people. Go out and start writing articles. Go and start doing research, things that people are not going to pay you first in the beginning. It's just you spending mm -hmm. your time developing yourself and getting your name out there and getting your voice out there. And those are things that are for free until you cross that line. And so many people say, oh, wow, um, Kathy really knows what she's talking about. If I, I, I'm, I'll be quiet in a second. But I'll say, Kathy, I'm, I'm assuming that you were putting out content. I assume that you were you know, showing how great you were in the beginning before you were getting compensated for it. Oh, man, I love every word that you say. I have so much to talk about with this. <laughs> I agree. And I think that it's an and or, right? But mm -hmm. to your question, oh, yeah. I mean, when I started out, I thought, hey, let me write about this, I think. You know, and I started a blog and nobody saw it, 200 people, you know. But I kept going because it was a way, it's almost like my journal. It's the way for me to process, wait a minute, I don't think this is fair. Wait a minute, what is quiet quitting? Mm -hmm. um, even before I have a CNN interview, I write out all my notes. But it was, it, to your point, and here's the issue. I think what we have to figure out is what do we value? What makes us feel alive? Yeah. What, what are we good at that we enjoy doing? And for me, writing was one of those. So I think that's, I didn't ask the, the lovely woman at CNN, but um, it's because I think if you type in careers, well, apparently I'm number one in Google search for women's careers. Apparently after the ads, <laughs> apparently. So yeah, I did it one, because it helped me. Two, because it was a way of adding value. Mm -hmm. But I didn't monetize any of that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And even the way to assess monetization, like I, I may not be making money on my particular blog, but mm -hmm. writing for Forbes has helped me have credibility, which helps me make more money. So mm -hmm. I'm 100% with you. But I would love to share some of my thoughts on this quiet quitting Please. and see what you think, Alex. I 100% agree that it is going the extra mile that helps us stand out. The question is, you know, when you talk about, I only want to do what my job description describes, that is a slippery darn slope. Mm, because mm. let's say you are the manager of digital marketing for Blip. Well, that's encompassing a lot. And today we're also like, I have a team of four, we're on Slack all the time. And we're in four different time zones. So if you're thinking my job's going to be done nine to five and we're in a remote world where we're dealing with five different time zones, I think you're going to be, you're going to have a rude awakening. I think the world, now there are jobs that are hourly and you clock mm -hmm. and you're done at five. Yeah. I, I, I don't think these people were in fact referring to that. 
but I think that there are unspoken rules of success that we have to understand. Um, now, some people would listen to what you said and say, I don't care about standing out. It's just a job for me. And, and for me, I feel like that's okay. Right. I, I, that's I, their choice. Exactly, right? Um, I, I would I would say, and I, I, I love where we're going this, again, please, all those comments, feel free to uh, put them in because I'm, I'm, I feel like we're, we're going to have a, um, some people wanting to share their, their thoughts on this. I feel like it is okay if you don't want to stand out, if you don't want to do those things. It's cool. Um, but also realize that if you if you are not doing those things that are making you stand out, then you're not likely going to be compensated in the same way that those people who who are doing those things to, mm. to make themselves stand out. Again, it is perfectly fine that if you you really enjoy doing that thing over there in that box, absolutely. But you also shouldn't be expecting to get the same level of influence, the same level of, of compensation, the same level of, of someone who is going over and beyond to, to make themselves stand out and gain that influence and so on and so forth. Love it. And I remember I had 18 years in corporate life. And in the last VP job, I came in to oversee product management of, of a series of businesses. And then they said, we'd like to promote you to take on this other business, which was huge. <clears throat> And I said, I'd love to, and I'd love a $20,000 raise. And I remember it clearly. My boss and I had lunch, and he said, we kind of don't work it that way. You've got to do the job for, let's say, three months. And you have to demonstrate that you can make an impact. And then in three months, I can make that happen for you. Well, that's what happened. I took what I leveraged what I did in the other businesses, and there was change, and there there was a $20,000 raise. Um, so... I completely agree with you. And I do need to say this to people. Doing your job well doesn't mean you deserve a raise and doesn't mean you deserve a promotion. It means you've done the job well. You're going to get some hate mail. <laughs> yeah, Kathy, I hate you. Well, there we go. I've been called a lot of things. I'm sure it won't stop. <laughs> On top of that, I do want to talk about this because it's really top of mind. And, and again, it was a term, just like the great resignation. I interviewed um, the guy who came up with it. He just blurted it out in a Bloomberg interview. He hadn't thought it out. It wasn't a research thing. And then it became, you know, mm -hmm. a viral thing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure this guy is pretty surprised that quiet quitting is what it is. But I do want to tell people, I don't believe in quiet. I believe in these steps. Look at what you're doing that seems too much. Look at what you're doing that you're not getting compensated for. Write it down. Think about it. Analyze it. Then have a talk with your manager. Look, I am spending 20 hours a week on stuff that wasn't even in my job description. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the quiet quitting piece, as I understand it, is you're just, you are going to stop doing that work. I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of discussing it. Let mm -hmm. me tell you my expectations. Let me tell you the context around this. What I'd like to do is delegate this. But if you suddenly stop doing, and it, you know, I run my own business. If I suddenly stop doing some of the things that my staff was expecting and needing of me to get their work done, how's that going to work? So I, the other thing I want to bring up is something I call 
perfectionistic overfunctioning. And I learned mm. about overfunctioning as a therapist. I added the term perfectionistic because this is what I see over and over and over, particularly with women. They are doing more than is healthy, appropriate, and necessary and trying to get an A plus in all of it. And as an example, I had a client who said a few years ago before the pandemic, I'm exhausted. I'm on email all day, every day. I have two kids. I said, all right, is your job making you do that? Is your boss ma making you do that? Well, no. Well, why are you doing it? Well, I kind of feel I have to. I go, okay, girl, that's going to stop. And here's how it can look when you stop that. So we also have to look at how we are co-creating the burnout. I do not mean you deserve it. I do not mean you're failing. I mean, and I have lived this, I'm a recovering perfectionistic overfunctioner. You've got to look at where you're trying to do more than is healthy, appropriate, necessary, and you've got to rein it in. And most likely if you're doing it at work, you're doing it at home too. What do you think? I Kathy, I, I, I love where you're going. I, two, two things. First, I'm going to address one. I'm going to address these, the second one. First one, I want to say, um, in regards to quiet quitting, and we should talk about this more. So when I when I work with organizations, again, so you probably saw this, this McKinsey study came out saying globally, the reason why most people are leaving their jobs right now um, is a lack of professional development and advancement. That is the number one thing right now, actually. And, and it's so interesting, so cool. And, that, and I love it. I love it, but the, that's because that's the work I do, right? I go into organizations and help them develop their leaders, which ultimately will help them re retain, uh, uh, not having to lose um, uh, knowledge and, you know, the lawsuits that come when people are not happy and disgruntled. And so there's, there's so much positive that we can do in regards to developing those leaders, especially um, a diverse leadership pipeline. Um, mm -hmm. But then I want to, key in on that second point you made about yourself, about knowing who's contributing to this. And I, so those of you who are on my YouTube channel, you see these videos every once in a while, like this, they pop in my head. And I was thinking about Encanto, um, the, the, the Disney movie Encanto. Yeah. Really great. Oh my God. So there, there's two stories. Again, the other mm -hmm. one about Bruno, you'll find on YouTube, but this one I haven't shared yet. So this is, this is exclusive. Um, that song, Surface Pressure, hmm. is, a, is a powerful song. It's about um, the, the eldest daughter. Everything kind of falls on her shoulders. And so she has to be so strong to take care of everyone. And, I, and by the end of the, I don't want to ruin for anyone, but she works through that challenge and ultimately feels better than the movie. But that was so much for me. Like, I remember listening to that song over and over and over and over. I had tears coming to my eye because I'm the oldest of six kids. Mm -hmm. And I just felt the pressure of looking out after my family and helping here and making this decision and so on and so forth. And I remember, like, again, I was like tearing up listening to this over and over. Wow. Finally, someone said, um, like, so, so, like, what, what do they have you doing? What, what are they asking you to do? Oh, well, you know, like all that stuff. Like, yeah, but, but but what are they asking to do? Like, seriously, let's talk so we can push back. And and I was like, well, well, I I guess they haven't asked me to do any of this stuff. And I started thinking about it, and I'm like, they haven't asked me to oh, take on this role. Nice. They haven't asked me to to weigh on these decisions. Like, I think they're important, so I weigh back. I weigh in. I'm trying to help. But they're not asking to do this. So, like to your point, sometimes we are putting weight on us that is truly heavy, 
and it hurts and it makes us uncomfortable and we feel like we're burning out. We don't realize we're putting the weight on ourselves. It's not someone else, right? Like this is crazy. Beautiful, beautiful story. And you know, that because I was a therapist, I feel comfortable talking about this. We, I believe we, okay, this is woo woo, but we come in to lives uh, understanding the challenges we're going to have. That's what I believe. But anyway, I think that there are roles we play in our family and they are often unconscious and they are often not what we actively elect, but it's the role we play. For some people, it's the black sheep. For some people, it's the one that takes care of everything because the parents are unstable or there's, it's the, the one person who makes the money because the parents are out of work. We, in some ways, we find ourselves playing these roles. And I always say this, you are what your childhood taught you to be unless you unlearned it. Mm. <sighs> mm. So often, like Alex, that's going to be you until you look at it and you have looked at it, you're aware of it. But many of the people, I just had two new clients this week. They fill out a career path assessment, 11 pages of questions I wish someone had asked me. I have it for free. Anyone can take it. But I can see so much about their journey. And can I tell you, it's so much about what they learned in childhood mm -hmm. that they don't even recognize. So I, the very first session is tell me a little bit about the messages you got in childhood. So you are 100% right. And I think that if we want to thrive, we have to certainly, I love this phrase I learned in therapy, greater awareness equals greater choice. You can't change what you have wow. no awareness of. Absolutely. Preach. So get aware of it. Look at where you're co-creating it. We're co what, ran what happens regularly, consistently, not randomly, we are co-creating. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is talking. I love that. If, you, if you're unhappy, talk to the manager. If you can't talk to your boss, then maybe you're in, you're in the wrong role or the wrong yeah. company. Yeah. And, you know, this interview for CNN talked also about, well, what should we do as, a ma as managers? Mm -hmm. And I, I want to tell you, I'm working with a lot of younger people as well as mid to high level professionals. So many younger people are in startups where they're managing 50 to 100 people and they've never managed before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're scared of looking too soft. They're scared of sounding like a friend. Instead, they don't know what they're doing. Why would they? Yeah. So cultures need to understand this. And I even mentioned, you know, sometimes we need some HR support here. Managers don't know. You know, she asked, what can managers do so that there isn't quiet quitting or it's appropriate, not, mm -hmm. not, you know, a crazy overreaction. And I said, you got to talk to your people once a month. She asked how often, well, certainly once a month. And if you have a hundred people, all right, let the, the, the line manager, the manager talk to those people. But if you're not saying, how are you? I know mm -hmm. COVID, how are you feeling? How are yeah. your kids? The final thing I'd love to share and see what you think, Alex. We're a person when we show up to our profession. You can't separate it. So if you've just gone through my three kids are sick, one is throwing up right here and I'm supposed to be on a meeting. If you can't share that, mm -hmm. if you feel that's unsafe to, to say, I'm overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed, you're probably in the wrong place. 
What do you think? You know, look, I want to preface this for everyone. Sometimes on this podcast, on on, on this this show, I can seem a little cold. I promise you I'm not being cold. What, what, What I'm doing is I want all of you to focus on your locus of control. And generally speaking, I mean, I think this is probably factual, period. Um, we can only control ourselves <laughs> and only to a certain degree, right? Because there's habits or things we do bio- biologically that just kind of happen. Um, we have to focus on our locus of control. So when you talk about um, talking and speaking up, um, I 100% agree. And there's a story that I tell about um, this, this guy long years and years and years ago, um, really great guy. And he worked at the front desk of this organization. And I remember what we would do is like, everyone would bring in, like it's like really nice kind of close-knit thing. Like everyone would bring in food every once in a while, like donuts or treats and so on and so forth. Like it was a good thing, right? Like everyone really liked it. Um, and then one day I brought in some donuts. I'm like, you know, I got here early, some donuts here at this front desk where we always put it. Um, I went into the office to, to start working where I was working at that time. And I overheard him talking to his friend gosh darn it and he was not saying gosh darn it <laughs> what did he say? Uh, the curse words the- oh, no i know but after that <laughs> what did he say i can't imagine people keep putting this stuff on my desk because this is not where the food belongs this is my working space and he was going on and on and on oh, and i listened i listened i listened so I, I i waited till he calmed down a little bit um and i walked out and i was like hey man like, how, how you doing today he's like oh i'm doing good i'm doing good he's like hey um these donuts you you don't care for him here, huh? And he's like, he's like, no, you know, there people keep putting food here. This is my desk. This is where I work, and you know, people keep putting food here. It's like, oh man, like, have you? How long have they been doing this? He's like, like for years, you know, five, six years. They've been people been doing this, and I'm like, man, have have you told anyone not to do it? He's like, no. I said, have you ever told your supervisor about this? So maybe they'll stop it. And he was like, no. So what, why don't why don't you um, tell your supervisor? Just you know, this is not this is not where you want the food. He says, "Oh, okay." So that day, I, I see him walk over there, tells the supervisor. Immediately, supervisor sends an email out to everyone. Hey, everyone, moving forward, let's make sure we're putting all of the new food in the kitchen on the table, and um, this will be a place where everyone can get the food. It's uh, it's in a, it's in a, you know in the kitchen. Wow. Issue dealt with. Yeah. For five years, he this was frustrating him because he didn't speak up. And this is why I say with locus of control, we have to be a, we have to have a voice. We have to speak up. If something is bothering us, if we, if, if we were being overworked, whatever it may be, that yes, there are many tactical ways you can do this. And this is again, which is where I work with um, leaders and so on and so forth and helping them have these conversations, but you got to speak up. Otherwise nothing is going to change. You can't what just keep hoping. Story. What a story. I have thoughts. Please. I can almost hear, you know, what people are responding, the 500 different responses to that one thing. Here's one. Yeah, bull. I spoke up and I got punished. This is many women, many underrepresented groups, many people of color. You know, now we're talking about a benign thing like move the food, but you'd be surprised what benign messages, how they are received. Sometimes when there's prejudice, when there's bias, when there's a kooky, crazy work culture. So there are times then that a seemingly neutral, benign comment request can backfire. And 
you know, my sweet spot is women. We've had it, you know, where we're saying the same thing our guy colleague is saying, but why did it get such a slap down? Mm -hmm. So I think you are so right. But if you're concerned that the manager will take that badly or, hey, you should be happy to have food there. This is the center. Then, you know, talk to a mentor, talk to an outside friend. What would be the best way maybe for me to share that? Secondly, um, I, I think that many people like this person have been raised and believe I can't really speak up for what I want. It's easier for me to complain about it on the side. And it's often called in therapy triangulation. I'm mad at you, Alex. You're my colleague and you're really making me mad, but I can't tell you that. So I'm going to tell him that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we alleviate our anxiety, but we never deal with the problem. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I might have spoken to you about this on, on my podcast, you know, and mom's getting, my mom's getting a lot of attention in my book and articles, but I grew up Greek mom, 97. She is going about to be 98. I, I could not challenge my mother. Mm. Mm. And when I was writing my book, most powerful you and going to mention it, I said, mom, <laughs> can I get your permission about the- what I'm going to say that I had a hard time challenging you. What do you think? And there was dead silence, Alex. And then she went, yeah, I could see that you would think that because in her Mm. upbringing, you don't challenge. You don't ask questions of authority. It's disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. I grew up not being able to probably even do that. Could not put the food here. Yeah. I remember my first master's class in marriage and family therapy. I challenged the professor with a question and she didn't like the question, Mm -hmm. Alex, I'm on, I honestly am telling you, I left the room thinking I'm going to get drummed out of the program, but thank goodness. I asked a friend, she goes, I, what are you kidding? It was a great question. We were all at, we were all wondering it. And I want to tell you, I passed that program with distinction. So I, what I'm trying to do here is not underestimate the fear people have even to speak up about something like, could you move the food to the kitchen? What do you think? Uh, I look, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think that the fear is real. Um, and there are a lot of, there's a, like I said, 500 different consequences that can come from that. Um, what I was recently reminded of, um, I was having a conversation cause again, uh, when I'm in certain organizations, some people see me as quote unquote, the leadership guy, right? I mean, the senior leader, executive guy, I can't talk to him. And I, I, I intentionally try to break that down. Just, you know, having conversation, Hey, how you doing? How's the family? But then that, that feeling that that power dynamic still persists. And, and what I was reminded of um, recently was Alex, your first job. And I tell this all the time, my first job, was overseeing executive leadership development for the U.S. Department of the Interior when I was 23. Good grief. Yeah. My, and then you I oversaw- You must have been shaken in your boots every minute or no? Were uh, you not? If you want to hear, I'm going to share this story with everyone real quick. Um, I still remember the first time, because my my supervisor at the time, she was the executive of the office, and she she just threw me in. We went to this, this big executive meeting, and she said, oh, Alex is going to brief everyone. I didn't know that. I literally stood up. My hands were shaking. My heart was beating. And I just like mumbled my way through it. Um, 
and, and at that moment, it was the scariest thing ever. But honestly, I became so comfortable. After and, that? Yeah, because I realized mm-hmm. working with these, yeah. these executive leaders, as literally that was my day-to-day, they're just people. They're people like you and me. We they have families, they have friends. Yes, they have the influence to make things happen. Absolutely. But they're people. And I think that again, because of I because I had the experience of, and that's like literally that's where this podcast came from. Um, I felt like I had the experience to work with some of the, the country's greatest leaders, and I became so comfortable with them that I could have these conversations, I could be mentored, I could be coached, and then I could work with them on projects. But so many people, like you say, did, didn't have the opportunity to build that skill, build that comfort, that comfort talking to these people and learning about them. And that's why I created the podcast so that everyone would have the opportunity to speak to these or to learn from these really great leaders. But I say it all to say, um, I say it all to say that <sighs> the reality is, is that if we're again, we we're on this podcast to be to talk real, you know, um, there are people who are going to discriminate against you, period. Um, whether you're a woman, whether you're a, 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 a person of color, whether you're someone who's who who's, uh, has a, a disability or ably challenged, um, there is going to be somebody who who does not like you and will, and will discriminate against you unconsciously or consciously. Um, and I think for us, for me anyway, so again, I focus on locus of control. I can't control those people, but what I can control is mm. myself. And am I willing to put up with it? If, if, if I really think that, again, just using a super stupid example was the cake, the, the, the food. Um, if I really want to move this, I can have a conversation. Like you said, I love it. Talk to your mentor, talk to a coach, talk, Hey, how should I have this conversation? Because if, it, if it's that important to me, I need to do something, and you know what? If that person reacts uh, inappropriately or 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 not, not in a positive manner, thank you for educating me on who you are. Mm-hmm. And this is not the that place I need to be. In. <laughs> thank you, Fred. Thank you. <laughs> now I get it. Oh, I so love it. I so love it. And and I know we have to scoot off, but I have to ask you a question. I can't no, please, help but be please. a podcast host. But I, I do want to also say. All of what we're talking about is what I talk about in my book, The Most Powerful You, The Seven Mm -hmm. Damaging Power Gaps. Number two is communicating from fear, not strength. That is an example what you shared. Let me tell my friend, not not my boss. I want to ask you this, and I think everybody's interested. Yeah. The fact that at 23, you were thrown into, okay, you're going to brief everybody. I know one thing about you. You have confidence inherent confidence. A a lot of people would fail at that, Alex. Wow. And I want everyone to know that because some people are thinking, I, I can't do that. And some people can't. Yeah. So can I ask you, you know, I love, Please. what happened all through childhood that would make you at 23 not feel like an imposter talking to 50 year old, 60 year old top leaders. What is it? Can wow. That? that this is why you have a podcast because you're, you're awesome at asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's your podcast. I'm taking over, but I think everybody wants to know it. And I want you to explain it because not everybody can do what you did there. You know, I think I had a couple of things. One, I think I was almost 
born into leadership because I'm the oldest of six. And so anyone who understands that you were, I was a third parent, right? So you're kind of responsible for everyone. Um, and you got to make sure you're speaking up for everyone, make sure they're okay and so on and so forth. Um, but Thanks. I think what really helps me is that I'm really great at lying to myself. And I think most leaders, successful people are, are good at lying to themselves. And I, I say it provocatively to say, um, if you were to ask me right now, like, what was the worst thing that's ever happened to me? Um, I'd probably say, I was talking about, I'd probably say my, my biological father leaving when I was a couple of days old, like that had repercussions and ripples throughout my life. Um, but man, it's, it's hard for me to find something wrong because my mind immediately goes to, but I learned something from it. You know, I, I was, yes, in that moment, I was extremely terrified speaking in front of them. But after I did it, I was like, oh, shoot, I'm not dead. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've spoken in front of rooms of, you know, six, seven hundred thousands of people. And the first time I was like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? And then I did it and was like, oh, it's it's OK. I'm still here. And I, so I, I think what I what I've done unconsciously, I, I think I mean, I built a habit of focusing on what I learned and the progress I've made versus focusing on the negative, the hurt. I need to now throw a question at you. Mm. You you got me going. Yeah, I, I got I got to throw this so your, your direction. I want to talk about this so much. So my wife, my wife and I this morning, this, this past weekend, we're talking about why is it so easy for people to feel to feel so much pain and to and th- th- those painful moments, those those hurtful moments in your life last so long at times. And what I what I told her, I'm like, you know, it's interesting, sweetheart. I said, you know, when you were going through, she was went through a particular situation before. I'm like, when you were going through that, like, how long did that last? And she was like, oh, it was her her root canal. I'm like, how long did that last? She was like, oh, I got it hurt so much. I'm like, yeah, how long? She said, it was like three hours that we had to go through this this root canal. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, so, so like how. How how much of an impact is three hours on on a day? She's like, oh yes, yes, a little bit. Well, how about three three hours on a year? Well, yes, it's not much. And well, how about three 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 hours on? You were twenty three at the time, so so twenty three years. And she's like, well, it's, it's nothing. But but we're in those painful situations. It's so easy to zero in and focus on. Like I had a hip surgery, a hip procedure, and they were literally drilling into my my bone huh. while I was woke. And it took everything for me not to pass out and just cry and pass out. Like I was blacking out. And for me, it felt like forever. But it was probably a minute or two, right, of drilling. And I, I said to say, we it's so easy for us to focus in on those 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 tough times, those hard times, those painful times in life. And because we're so zoomed into them, they, they seem like they're lasting forever. Oh my God, I got to get this briefing. And we got, it's going forever. But really it was a minute, right? Like hmm, we, fascinating. I need to remember that these are so small. The, the painful moments are so small in the span of our entire life. And let's choose to focus 
on those things that, yeah, you know what? I did fall down and hurt my leg, but you know, when I, when I got up, actually, I learned not to do it that way. So now I've actually become a better person because of it and so on and so forth. I, I'd love to hear your response. I have so much to say quickly. Please. First of all, there is a negative bi negativity bias in our brains, Alex. There are trigger moments. Like I remember five things from age 16 on. I will never forget them. They come up mm -hmm. because they were traumatizing. And when that happens, there they will be trigger moments for the rest of your life. And, you know, you can do a lot of therapy, energy healing, but so there, there are things that are going to continually knock us down from the past, even though you moved on. Right. Yeah. And you're just going to accept it and work through those. Number two, you did something there that I think is a, a strategy I love to teach, which is do the thing that you feel like if I can do that, mm. I can do anything. Yeah, and yeah, that was yeah. your standing up that first time. Yeah, it wasn't great. You mumbled a little. You were sweating profusely. It, and I remember the first time I did marriage and family therapy in front of a panel of people in a two double mirror window. Who do it? And as I was about to do it, I thought I'm either going to have a heart attack and not have to do it or pass <laughs> out. But I did it. And darn it, I did it. OK, yeah, I blew some things and they advised me. But I literally said, and the first time I was on television, yeah. if I can do that, mm -hmm. I can do anything. So I think I'm amplifying what you're saying. Yeah, you're going to be sweating. You're going to be scared. You're not going to yeah. do it the way you really wished you had. But try to look at, I did it. Yeah. And I'm alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get fired. <laughs> and the more you walk into that terrifying place, the more it becomes much less fear-inducing, and the more strength, the more you become the most powerful you. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Kathy, I could talk to you forever. Me too, I, my friend. I, I know you need to jump off some, you know, CNN or, or some other <laughs> Well, that was earlier. I need a break. Interview. Okay. <laughs> but I do want to open up the floor to you and say, is there anything you'd like to share with our audience as we begin to wrap up? Oh, thank you. What a blast. Yes. I want to say to you that you are valuable. You are needed. My goodness. You are special and you probably don't even know how you're special because most people don't. Take my free career path assessment. Maybe Alex will link to it, but please understand that you are special and valuable and you can craft it the way you want it. But to do that, you got to be brave and you got to start being more powerful. And I hope you will, starting this minute. Look, everyone, you know where I'm going with this. If you found anything of value in our talk today, don't keep it to yourself. Don't be that guy, that gal. Don't just look back, reach back. Bring someone else to the table and take this to them, saying, look, you need to listen to this episode. Kathy was dropping some truth bombs, and you need to hear this. So... I just want to thank you again, Kathy, for being here today. Again, thank the audience, all of you. Please, I want to, we want to hear your thoughts. Comment below, share, and let us know. It, do you think we're crazy? If you think we're crazy, it's okay. I mean, I think both of us are used to it. We're kind of used to it. <laughs> As always, everyone, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya.
Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.